0: Here's a secret for how you make a room feel really tense, really quick. You say, I would like to talk about race. Immediate, immediate, people get tense, they get anxious, they get nervous, particularly in our country in this era. Today, we're going to be talking about that and how it intersects with the scriptures. I'm Steve Tamayo, executive pastor at Chatham Community Church. With me here in our
1: makeshift studio is Jaime. Say hi. Hi, I'm Jaime, and I am campus teaching pastor at our Pittsburgh location. And together, we represent
0: uh, two of the four Latinos on staff at the church, and I think two of the eight Latinos in the church as a whole. Is that about right? Um, Yeah, I think so. And uh, so we are excited to have a conversation. I'm going to be interviewing Jaime, and you know, be really interested, Jaime, why is it that you think... People feel anxious when the topic of race and ethnicity comes up. What are some
1: reasons? Uh, I think some of it is that it um, it brings back memories of ghosts of our past. Uh, so the history of the world is riddled with pain associated with race and ethnicity, and I think also we've not been provided with adequate tools for how to have healthy conversations about race, race and ethnicity. Uh, any conversation where pain is involved uh, whether historic or current is a potential landmine but when you add to that a conversation where pain is involved and we don't have the adequate tools to have a healthy conversation uh, it 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 just can can cause people to want to pull back
0: yeah i think particularly people who have maybe tried to have a conversation about race or ethnicity and it's gone poorly i think i think for them maybe then they feel like I am never
1: doing that again. And they feel anxious and retreat. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, sometimes it's because the conversation hasn't been received well. Sometimes it's because they said something that maybe wasn't great. And instead of being approached or treated with grace and understanding, they were they were pushed down. Uh, sometimes it's simply because they didn't know how to disagree well. And so they go into conversations about race and ethnicity already thinking that they're right or that they're going to be treated as wrong. And so coming into a conversation defensively already then lowers the odds that you're going to want to have that conversation again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I think when people are on the defensive, it's very hard to listen and listening is a really important part of having any good conversation. Indeed it is. So, you know, as I look back in my own life, I've had some experiences with race and ethnicity and uh, they've shaped how I engage this conversation. I, I really think that what, what you're saying is so accurate and especially, you know, from my perspective, helpful for people to know. When you think back about your own history of race and ethnicity, what are some key experiences that you've had, awakenings,
1: moments where you became more aware of race and ethnicity? Yeah, I didn't have language for ethnicity um, but I became aware of ethnicity pretty early on. I come from a mixed ethnic background and I I grew up in Puerto Rico where obviously the majority are Puerto Rican. And yet uh, my mother, who was my primary caregiver, is a Jewish girl from Brooklyn. So I was – I always felt like there were parts of the conversations that were going around in my circle that I was not – fully aware of or fully present in because my experience was so different. And then I was hyper aware of the fact that there were presumptions people had about people like my mom not only uh, the Jewish part, but even just the being from the mainland uh, that uh, weren't either not accurate or were accurate, but were tinged with judgment.
0: Uh, Okay.
1: So uh, I, I was aware that, that I was different. And so I was aware that I I wasn't fully part of the experience that my peers were having, and I wasn't fully part of the experience that my mom had had. And that
0: difference was oriented or fueled by race or ethnicity, you know, particularly your mom's heritage that she's passing on to you—the story, the history that she's a part of—that as as her son you're incorporated into
1: happily, joyfully, right? I mean, your ethnic
0: heritage is a wonderful gift, right? It
1: absolutely is. Yeah, yeah. I was always taught that it was good. At no point by the people in my life was I ever taught that my race or ethnicity were not good. Just that it was different. Just that it was different.
0: And as a kid, sometimes, I guess different kids... Respond in different ways to being different. Yeah. How many uses of different can we make in one sentence? <laughs> different kids respond in different ways to being different. So so for me, when I was a kid and was having these experiences of, of race and ethnicity and, and understanding what it meant for me, even though I have very white skin and very blonde hair, to understand that I, I was Latino, Hispanic, Cuban American, um, I felt different. And sometimes that being feeling different felt bad. Yeah. Did did you have some of that experience?
1: Yeah, I I had those primarily when I would come to the mainland. Um, And one of the distinct... To to Brooklyn? uh, To New York, to Manhattan, to New Hampshire, to Florida. I mean, different places over the course of the years to Cincinnati. Uh, Particularly, uh, I remember the tension around the difference in my name. So my name is written very similarly to how some forms of Jamie are written. And, uh, people could not either could not pronounce my name or refuse to try. And, uh, that, that made me feel very much out of place to the point where for a number of years, when I would come to different settings here on the mainland, I would go by James. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Wow. I I mean, knowing you now, if I called you James, I don't think I would get a good response reaction. No, uh, not at all. So if you're listening to this episode, don't whatever you do, don't call Jaime James. James is better than Jamie. Is uh, it better than Jamie? Yeah, because James okay. is an
1: actual translation of my name. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh huh. While Jamie is not. So it, you know, I, I'm I'm okay. I, I'd rather people ask permission before they do that. But uh, I'm I'm I prefer people using my name and yeah. trying. Yeah. But. Uh, But if at some point there's a reason to call me James, I'm okay with that. And I still go by Jim at Starbucks. Oh,
0: uh just, just (laughs) keep it simple. Yeah. 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 I heard someone once at Starbucks, uh, put Rumpelstiltskin. (laughs) Just a mess with the person. It was like terrible. I'm like, don't do that. That's horrible. Yeah. You know, part of the reason why I think it's important for us to share stories of some of our experiences is because pain can be a real source of learning. Mm -hmm. And, Different people have different pains. And as we listen to pain stories of different people's journeys, we gain a fuller understanding of what it's like to carry an ethnic identity, what it's like to be an ethnic minority, what it's like to cross an ethnic barrier. And I think that's all really helpful. I'm curious, Jaime, since this is the On The Way podcast, how has your experience of race, ethnicity, this sort of stuff, how has this intersected with your faith? Your journey with Jesus.
1: Yeah. It, my journey with Jesus has really amplified my understanding and engagement with race and ethnicity, both with my own, but also with the the journeys of others. So I'll, I'll give you a particular example. Uh, I, I became aware of my need to engage the conversation when I moved to the mainland, uh, particularly because... I was a f- I was fully a minority uh, in Puerto Rico at least a part of me was in the majority, yeah, yeah, uh, when I moved here, I was fully in the minority, and there were so many things that were distinct and different that um I felt an invitation from God to actually clarify what about the things that felt different were invitations from God to change to be discipled in different ways. And what about them were things – what about those things were actually things that God was inviting me to, to name as, as ways that he had made me, gifts that he had given me because of the culture I grew up in and the place I grew up in because of the fact that he made me a, a Latino and Jewish as well.
0: Well, And those are gifts that are not only gifts that God has given you, but through you, gifts that God's giving to your community. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: And, Can you give some examples of what those might be? Yeah, sure. I think um, some of the gifts, so uh, on a sort of macro scale, uh, gifts of being uh, multi-ethnic or having two my, my feet in two worlds, uh, there's a gift of empathy there. Uh, and so a gift of being able to enter in quickly when people feel like they're out of place because mm-hmm. I, I, I understand that. So there was a way in which that felt like a very redeeming moment for me. Uh, to understand that my sense of feeling out of place was not forgotten by God. God, God still healed that, but it also gave me a tool in my tool belt that I could I could call upon when people were feeling out of place. I had learned I had empathy, not just. Uh, learned empathy but i had e- experienced what some what what they were experiencing Well, and it and
0: it spills over the banks right mm-hmm. so it's not just empathy for someone who's out of place because of their ethnic identity but you probably also experience some empathy for people who are out of place because of their gender identity because of their economic identity because of their educational identity this extra dose of empathetic compassion yeah is is a, a gift, and that 's something that that everyone can benefit from, and that 's something that people can develop right that that
1: gift of empathy absolutely yeah absolutely I think people can develop the gift of empathy simply by but but you need to you need to start it by engaging in self reflection and so i think that 's one of the gifts that following Jesus in this uh, and and incorporating that into my 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 journey of my understanding of my ethnic identity uh gave me was was part of it was um, taking the time to understand who I was and how I was made, not just from the perspective of, of um, sort of a sociopolitical perspective of you know this is where I was born geographically, this is the history, but from the perspective of God who created the heavens and the earth, who created countries uh, sort of the the, the the landscape on which countries were built. Uh, God chose to place me in that particular time, in that particular situation, and God God is not forming me into his image in spite of that, but God is using that to form me into his image. So when there have been times where I've been uh, tempted to uh, sort of check out of my understanding of my ethnic journey, or even times when I don't want to face the pain, uh, that i 've caused or that 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 has been inflicted upon me it 's that knowledge that that this is part of the way God made me, and this is this is key to me becoming who He dreams of me being uh, that sends me back into that
0: that that ultimately it was god 's choice. For you to be born where you were born, mm-hmm. into the family you were born mm-hmm. into, to get the ethnic heritage that you received, mm-hmm. uh, that reminds me a little bit of the argument that Paul makes at the Areopagus. Am I pronouncing that right? I think so. You're the, the seminary guy. <laughs> uh, the the Areopagus uh, in, in, in Athens. He's in Athens, and he's giving this speech to people, yeah. and and he he says, you know, uh, that that God is the one who. Uh, yeah, I'm going to paraphrase it if I do. What, it. What, what is it? What, so no, no, go so it. God's the one who set the times yeah. for people to live and the places where they were placed. Mm-hmm. And he did this so that all men might seek him and find him, yeah. though he's not far from each one of us. Yeah. And, and in Paul's argument in Athens, it's found in Acts 17, I believe. In Paul's argument in, Ath- in Athens, he is making a strong case that God has a purpose behind our ethnic identities, that there is a so that, that we have an ethnicity so that people might seek God and find him. He's placed us in places, in certain times, certain places, certain families, certain communities, so that we might find him. And, And there's something really powerful to seeing that this ethnic identity stuff is not just Political, you know, as you said, it's not just sociopolitical, but that is deeply spiritual yeah. and woven into God's purposes in the world. That's something that's a little bit of a passion of mine. Mm-hmm. I, you know, this, you've, we've talked about it some, yeah. is, is seeing that, that ethnicity is everywhere and that ethnicity is particularly everywhere in the Bible. Yeah. That it's found in scripture. This is not something that's a university conversation that's flooding into the churches. It's not something that's a a media political conversation that's being absorbed into the churches. This is something God got to this first. He did, and and how how does it change the way we interact with this? If we believe that God got to the conversation about ethnicity first,
1: yeah, I'm curious how that's been true for you. Like, how has that changed? How has that changed the conversation for you? I mean, one thing for me is it's made me feel
0: much more free to go after this conversation wholeheartedly to not feel like I'm taking a side or uh, making a political statement by engaging in my own ethnic identity journey and asking people questions about their ethnicity and and engaging in those conversations. I'm someone who tends to be pretty moderate. I like to see both sides of an issue. And so I, I don't take a lot of super strong political stands. That's not my my personality is not the way I'm wired. And so I think if I didn't have this deep sense that this is important to God, that it's central in Scripture, it's woven throughout the whole biblical narrative, if I didn't have that confidence, I don't know that I can engage in the conversation confidently. For, for me as an evangelical Christian, I, wanna, I want my beliefs to be based on the Bible. I want my priorities to be based on the Bible. I want who I am to flow from the Bible, as Jesus speaks it to us, as His Spirit enlightens us, as the Father draws us into the Scripture. So, so for me, uh, that's been a really big priority. How about for you?
1: Yeah, I, I. So I don't. I don't have a. I don't have a problem. Considering that there might be a political dimension to the statement. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't mean that. there's... No, I, I know, I know, I know. Because yeah. part of it is, uh, and, and I know this is not what you're implying, but it, it can be used by some people. Uh, you know, there are there there can be gospel truth in political statements. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, well, the gospel is ultimately
0: yeah. a political statement. When we say Jesus is King, yeah. that is a political statement, very, but very it's not. Much so.
1: But it's not a political statement. Like, um, yeah, it's not exclusively a partisan political statement, yes. which is how political statements can be taken, uh, in our current time. Yes. Uh, but it, but it has implications. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, so I, I think the, the understanding of, uh, being made in the image of God. So the, the Imago Dei is the, the theological term for that, uh, is, uh, is, is central to my approach to faith. Uh, I've, I've already talked about it being made in the image of God. And um, so, so the, the idea that there are facets of the image of God in every ethnicity and culture uh, makes me, on the one hand, and, and I see that in Scripture, all throughout Scripture. I, on the one hand, it makes me want to uh, find those facets in my own culture, in my own ethnicity, uh, in my own race, but it also makes me want to appreciate it in the cultures, ethnicities, and races of others um, I, I think uh, the one of the parts of the passage in Revelation seven that talks about every, people from every tribe, tongue and nation worshiping God together is when I think about that, I see that as the the multifaceted community of God reflecting. So much more of God than a single ethnicity or community can, not to the detriment of a single community or ethnicity or race, not to say that, that, that there's something wrong with that, but that by design in the togetherness, in the appreciation of the distinctives, we discover more of God by design.
0: Yeah, and I think that's something that could fuel if you're listening to this and you're interested in engaging more in your own ethnic identity, interested in engaging more in the ethnic stories of people who are different from you to see that God has has this multifaceted witness in the world. I think that could really give you some a boost to to do some of that exploration so that you can look into your own self, that you can look into others. And over the years, I've really struggled with this, particularly with, uh, as I've mentored or walked alongside or, or discipled people who are white, I think this is a real struggle for our brothers and sisters who have a white ethnic identity, and that's their primary identity or their only identity. I think there can be so much shame about exploring their own ethnic heritage that For many people, they just freeze and stop or are overwhelmed with shame. And, uh, you know, I I think a lot of the experience that I have of folks who have become woke in recent years is really a response or maybe even overreaction to shame. Uh, What are some resources that could help someone who is white in particular to engage in this conversation, to slip past the inertia caused by um, that kind of systems of the world to slip past their sense of shame and to start this journey. Any resources you would recommend?
1: Yeah. Uh, and, you know, this is very specific to our current society, our, oh, our totally. current country. Yes. Uh, but, yes. I, but I think it can be true in any majority setting. Because uh, I think it was true for me in Puerto Rico. I, I didn't feel the need to explore my ethnic identity as a Puerto Rican. Cause it was the pond I was swimming in. Right. Right. Uh, and so, so I, I, say that because I, I don't want to make our majority culture friends who in this setting are white uh, feel like, um, like, like it's something specific to them. I, I think it's true. No, it's a in, dynamic, in a majority dynamic setting. whenever you're in the majority. Yeah. Setting. Yeah. 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 Uh, but, but in this particular setting, I think books like being white and white awake, Okay. Uh, very aptly titled can help people in their, uh, journey. I think if you want to take white by, um, Doug Schaup and Paula Harris, I believe that's correct. And white awake by Daniel Hill. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Go ahead. Uh, and then if you want to take sort of a, those are very specific books. If you want to take a multifaceted approach, there's a book called beyond colorblind, which, uh, I think, helps people of any ethnicity and race engage in the conversation uh, what I what I've thought about it when I when I thought about it uh, about that book one of the things that I've appreciated is that I feel like it is 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 a good introductory level tool and book without speaking down to people for whom it's introductory but it's also a tool that can help people who have been in the conversation for a while without feeling like uh, they 're sort of going more slow they 're remedial quote unquote
0: mm-hmm. uh, and so mm-hmm. I
1: appreciate that because I think it brings people around the table who are at different stages in their in their journey,
0: yeah, you know one of the things I really appreciate about beyond colorblind um, it, so in it, the author Sarah Shin uses an evangelism model to walk through how the gospel is connected to. The creation of ethnicity, mm-hmm. ethnic brokenness, Jesus's redemption of our ethnic identities, and his purpose in the world for our ethnic identities. And she's got, Jaime and I were talking about this yesterday, she's got some great uh, poetic language for how she describes it. So I didn't do justice to the book, but I think for a lot of us, we we may have different points of connection with the gospel's intersection with
1: our ethnicities. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we might even realize that there's a connection there. We know it, but we've not named it as a connection. So, for example, for a lot of us who have some ethnic minority
0: background, we're very aware of how ethnicity has been broken or damaged and how our attempts to to reignite ethnic pride apart from Jesus fall short. Yes. And, you know, this is something talking to some of my African-American friends. It's been a struggle for them as they've said, I've tried, I've tried to lean into this stuff, but apart from Jesus, there's still something missing and it becomes, um, un- unhealthy. Yeah. actually, for each of us, our ethnic identities apart from Jesus are not a blessing, but are a challenge, a dividing wall divisive. Yeah. So, um, if if someone was interested in engaging more, they could get those books. Yeah. So those three books. Any other recommendations you would have for them?
1: I think digging into your own history, and uh, with a uh, an objective eye, simply l- listening to the stories. So before my great grandmother passed away, um, I sat. She, she sat me down, and we just talked for a while. And she was just telling me her story, her history, the history of her family, however much she could remember. And in later years, as I've reflected back on that, there are things about who we are as Puerto Ricans that, that I can draw from that. Um, I mean, I think a number of our families, uh, particularly here in the mainland United States, have uh, stories of immigration. The farther you, the, if you go back far enough, uh, for most of us. For most of us for most of us, uh, there's uh, there's some thread that came from somewhere else. And even just appreciating why people may have moved, why people may have come here, the struggles, the overcoming, and even some of the challenges that they faced. Studying one's own history is inevitably, inevitably intersects with studying the journey of one's family's uh, ethnicity.
0: Yeah. And, and I, If you have a perspective that says that God is actively at work in the world, that he is ordaining the times in which people live and the places in which they live, Mm -hmm. studying your family's history is also a way for you to explore how God has been at work in your family, how God has been at work before you, in advance of you, apart from you, but on your behalf, mm-hmm. without you asking for it, because he loves you for your good. I mean, this is, there's a great opportunity to engage with God actually when doing genealogical work or when, when doing narrative work, listening to,
1: to stories. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, You talk about stories. I think that's a great, also another point. Uh, If you don't, especially if you don't have access to your own family's history or can't go back far enough, listening to other people's history and then doing an exercise of saying, okay, if I were to have told that story about my family or about myself, what would it have sounded like? And then just going at it.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, A couple of quick plugs here as we wrap up the podcast for the day. Mm -hmm. Jaime is going to be teaching a Summer Better course on Beyond Colorblind. Is this correct? That's correct, yeah. And you can find out more information about it at www.summerbetter.org. Correct summerbetter.org. It's like, you know what? I'm about to have summer. Couldn't summer be better? Yes, summer would be better if Jaime was teaching a course on Beyond Colorblind and and I got to go and engage in that conversation and and grow. So summerbetter.org is a great way to, to go. And just something also that I'm going to throw out here, I'm just going to mention it, Uh, is that often at Chatham Community Church on Sunday morning, if you listen, there will be conversation as we're studying Scripture, where we'll mention its implications for race and ethnicity, or we'll mention how ethnicity shows up in this passage. You know, and so like today, when, when talking about anxiety, this past Sunday, we looked at a passage about anxiety and a choice to rejoice in the Lord always. You know, Paul says rejoice in the Lord always again. I say rejoice. And that's a good word for us in the midst of these multi-ethnic conversations that the Lord's nearness to us gives us the possibility of rejoicing, even in the most difficult conversations and the most challenging situations that you can experience freedom from anxiety, that you could experience rejoicing even in a room full of people talking about race, isn't that awesome?